Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 122, it is Phil Steele Friday, and we only got a few more of these left. It's hard to believe we're winding down to the end of the 2023 college football season. It's been a lot of fun talking to Phil each and every single Friday, Big 12, Top 25, and of course, those West Virginia Mountaineers. We're going to get Phil's thoughts on this week's matchup with the Bearcats here in just a bit. And of course, this episode of ITG is brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts, and what a way to start with some bets and that's a bet recap of what we did last week uh with west virginia and oklahoma hopefully we did a little bit better than the team actually did out in norman but the way i've been trying to recently probably not so jed uh take us back a week and see how we did in our picks yeah speaking of oklahoma and speaking of phil unfortunately phil was right he told us last yeah. week that he liked oklahoma and he liked that big point spread but, uh, okay, let's go to our handicapping last week. We started with third downs. And we asked in the matchup between the Mountaineers and the Sooners, who will convert a higher percentage on third down, WVU or Oklahoma? We both picked Oklahoma. We were both correct, resoundingly so, unfortunately. Yeah. Oklahoma was 8 of 14, 57% on third down. West Virginia was just 4 of 16. 25%. So that upward trend and upward trajectory that West Virginia had been on on third down for the better part of a month uh, hit a wall in Norman. And then we transitioned to a question from third downs to a question about fourth downs. WVU was six for seven in the previous two matchups against Oklahoma on fourth down. So including four of five last year in Morgantown. So the question was over under two and a half fourth down attempts for West Virginia Saturday night on the Prairie. Uh, we both took over there. We were correct. West Virginia attempted four. So they went over the two and a half. They were two for four on fourth down. And then finally, number three, we had halftime scores in the previous two matchups of 12 to six Oklahoma, uh, 10 to seven WVU <laughs> uh, in the last two. So we asked, what will be happening at halftime Saturday night? Uh, and in that one, we said, will WVU be leading? Will Oklahoma be leading? Will WVU will be tied? Uh, and so I separated from the pack, and I said tied. I took the long shot. Obviously, it was not tied. You said Oklahoma will be winning, but barely. You thought West Virginia was going to win. Well, you were right. Uh, not barely, but it was 31 to 14. Yeah. So uh, you, you were three for three. Uh, I was two for three. That might be that's your first time all year. I think. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. We'll see what we can do to to trip you up this week with the Cincinnati handicapping, right? But, but uh, yeah, that's how it shook out. Now, uh, I threw a fisherman's friend in my mouth to get that nasty Oklahoma taste out of my mouth, and uh, and let's 
finish up and and uh let's talk to phil i'm eager to move forward and see what he's has uh uh for this weekend's games but like i said unfortunately we didn't like what he had to say but right. he uh, was all over oklahoma given that big point spread against the mountaineers he he thought that oklahoma was due for a big rebound coming home for the first time in a number of weeks playing under the lights he thought they were gonna give us their best shot and boy was phil right they gave us their best shot they did they certainly did they were ready to go and uh playing ticked off rightfully so after losing two straight games and, and the one thing i love about phil is he is 100 percent honest with his opinion he's not just coming on to this wvu show just to give love to west virginia if he feels like they don't have a chance or they're going to lose he's going to let us know but he did kind of tease us a little bit about these last two games so we'll see what phil has to say here after the break uh from this word from toothman ford where we all know cars cost less than graphics Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guaranteed to, to save you thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. All right, everybody, we are back here with Phil Steele. He's going to break down some Big 12 matchups, top 25, and we'll wrap things up with West Virginia at Cincinnati. Phil, we appreciate you joining us once again this week here on In the Gun. And uh, if you want to go ahead and plug some of your stuff for this week, the floor is yours, my friend. Hey, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, right now, up and available, if you go to philsteel.com, right there at the front on the daily blogs, you can take the Phil Steel Plus Tour with selections. The selections actually had a losing week last week, dropping them to 17 and 11 the last six weeks, but the quick hitters, 15 and 7 the last five weeks, so still red hot, and I might even have a guaranteed winning week there this week. So check it out. Go to philsteel.com. Take the Phil Steel Plus Tour. You get yourself about nine free selections plus some FCS selections. And it's all absolutely free. Awesome. Good stuff there, Phil. And uh, look, we all have bad weeks. It's going to happen throughout the course of the season, as West Virginia fans found out last week. So uh, we'll go ahead and get started <laughs> here with the top 25 going to the Pac-12. And this is a, a sneaky good team that no one's been talking about all year long. And that's Arizona. Now in the top 25, ranked number 17. They're going to be hosting Utah in this one, 230 in Arizona. Uh, I, I don't. I gotta admit, I didn't see this coming from them. This was a a quick turnaround out there for Jed Fish. Um, Phil, how how do you th see this one playing out between the Utes and the Wildcats? Yeah, and I think the big difference for Arizona this year it's not the quarterback or the passing game. They had that last year. It's the run defense. And when I went over the team with Coach Fish, and uh, he had mentioned that the defensive line was his major concern. Is the first thing I brought up to him last year. They gave up five point six yards per carry. And he went out and just hit the transfer portal heavy, brought in a bunch of transfers, a lot of P5 transfers on the D-line. And the difference has been great. They're only allowing 99 yards per game rush, 3.2 yards per carry. So that's been the big difference in Arizona, and they're playing great football. And you look at their losses this year. Uh, they've only had three losses, Mississippi State by seven, Washington by seven, and USC by two. So they're a highly competitive team. But this is Utah. They're off a loss. Kyle Whittingham is 5-0. and uh, against spread after his last five losses. Uh, I think Utah is a premier team. 
Uh, and the game's basically pick them in this one. So I think Utah can go on the road. Uh, Bryson Barnes is now taking control of the team. They played a good game against Washington. In fact, I thought Barnes outplayed Penix in the first half last week. I look for Utah to bounce back and, and get a win. But it should be a great game. For the SEC, Phil, you got uh, Georgia, number one in the country, on the road at Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee reeling after that 36-7 to loss at Missouri. Meanwhile, Tennessee coming off that massive blowout win over Ole Miss. The only thing standing between uh, Georgia and an unbeaten opportunity at Alabama in the SEC championship game is this game and Georgia Tech. Any chance the Vols might be able to creep up and do something here? Well, Tennessee has proven to be tough, especially at home. You know, at home this year, they uh, beat Texas A&M, which I thought was a good win. Uh, and they've been tough at home under Hypo last year. They beat Alabama at home in a big game. And this year, they went on the road and played Alabama tough. I actually thought Tennessee was going to play a good game against Missouri last week, and, and they were just dreadful. But uh, the potential is there, and they're extremely tough at home. However, Georgia got back Mims on the offensive line last week, and put up over 300 yards rushing, 300 yards passing in that game. They also got Brock Bowers back. They still have Carson Beck. They still have McConkey. Uh, and uh, the running game has been picking up with the health of the running backs. Uh, I'm going to take Georgia to treat this as an A game coming out. And uh, I'm going to like Georgia on the road to get the win and, and probably by more comfortably than the 10-point uh, spread. Back out to the Pac-12, Phil, here is Washington has a massive road game up there in Corvallis against Oregon State, who's actually favored in this game. I, I, it's it's crazy to think that, but, I mean, Oregon State has been playing well all season. This is their chance to kind of make themselves known to the rest of the country. DJ Uyungle found himself a home out there with Jonathan Smith, who's, in my opinion, one of the most uh, underrated coaches in the country. Does the Beavs get the upset this week and uh, spoil Washington's playoffs hopes? Yeah, and, you know, my conversation with Jonathan Smith this year, uh, going over the team with him, was going back to our first year. The first year with Oregon State, uh, you looked at that roster, and they could barely go too deep on the roster. Uh, in fact, a lot of the players on the second string were walk-ons in his first year, and they went through some growing pains. But now he's got this thing where they're three deep at some positions, and uh, it, he's done a tremendous job building the program. The thing I love about Oregon State is they're basically unbeatable at home in Reeser Stadium. And the last two years, Reeser's been under construction. So they've had, you know, a quarter of the stadium couldn't be occupied. A quarter of the stadium couldn't be occupied here. Now it's back to full capacity. They got the chainsaw going on third down. It's a great situation. They are 17-1 and one, straight up and against the spread at home. And, you know, Washington actually opened up a two-point favorite in the game. But uh, the, the betting uh, in Vegas right now has been all on Oregon State, uh, driving Oregon State to be the favorite. And if you look at Washington the last five weeks, they've sort of been unimpressive, uh, only beating Arizona by seven. They got outgained by Oregon by over 100 yards, out first down 32 to 24, got past Arizona State, got past Stanford. Uh, the fumble before the half was huge in the USC game. And then last week trailed at the half against Utah and came back and got it. The defense goes to Oregon State in this one. The run game I like with Oregon State with Martinez and Fenwick, a dangerous combination. Uh, quarterback definitely goes to Washington. I'd give the receiving core to Washington, but I can't go against that home field edge. I am going to call for Oregon State to pull the upset uh, this week. Well, 
let's jump into the Big 12. And you got Oklahoma after snapping their losing streak against West Virginia after dropping two straight. They they obviously had their way with the Mountaineers. They're on the road in Provo. Strange kick time. Uh, BYU has now, after a fast start, dropped three straight. They're really struggling on the offensive side of the football. Oklahoma, a very heavy favorite against a BYU team, still trying to get that sixth elusive win for a bowl game. Any way the Cougars can make this interesting? You know, I don't think so. Uh, when I when I look at BYU, remember when they were five and two, and um, I believe I called them a fake team at that time because they were being outgained by about 100 yards per game. It hasn't gotten any better. Uh, now, last week they actually ran the ball for the first time, but they were down big and uh, a couple of big runs there. But they still struggle at the run game. Jake Retzlaff's taken over at the QB spot. Slovis possibly could return, but I think they may stick with Retzlaff. But the offense has, has really been woeful over the last four weeks, just 13 points per game, 291 yards per game. The defense has fallen off, and uh, they're a team that's being outgained by 114 yards per game. Oklahoma was angry, coming off two losses, uh, got done at home last week, and I think they continue that momentum. I like the run game with Walker and Sawchuck. I like the, you know, Dylan Gabriel, and the defense is starting to play a little bit better as well. Uh, I, I like Oklahoma to win this one big on the road, and it's a 10 o'clock a.m. start at BYU, uh, so I, I can't imagine the crowd's going to be all that loud. Yeah, they're going to be serving brunch there for that one, but uh, Baylor <laughs> going to TCU, and, and Phil, we've talked about these Bears all season long. It, it's crazy to think the kind of season that they've had, um, especially just a couple of years removed after winning the Big 12. Um doesn't does it look like they've waved the white flag or, or is last week just how you know factor of k-state being that good and for tcu i mean you got a chance to still get to bowl eligibility but they've got a pretty tough one on deck against oklahoma but you got to win this one first so who do you see getting this one between the bears and the horn frogs yeah and you know with baylor uh, each week i just think dave aranda he's going to get this thing and, and they're going to be highly competitive and and they've been disappointing. I, I liked them against Texas Tech. They didn't do well. Uh, you know, the Cincinnati game, they did go on the road and get the win, but uh, they lose to Iowa State. The loss to Houston, I think, was really tough. It's a game where they had the slight yardage edge in the game, but lost. And then last week they got beat. Uh, I think you have to go with TCU at home to get the win here. Uh, you know, Hoover's been playing well. Chandler Morris could return, but I like the way Hoover's playing. And, and when I talked to Coach Dykes, he was happy with both quarterbacks. Uh, the defense has uh, been giving up some yards lately, but uh, I think TCU's the better team at home. And as you said, you wonder a little bit about the Baylor psyche. Uh, they've got nothing to play for. They've got their seventh losses clinched. Uh, you wonder what's going to happen. Uh, are the uh, players starting to think transfer portal, that type of thing? So I'm going to lean with TCU uh, in this one at home. Before we jump into uh, Oklahoma State, uh, Houston, I want to remind people that last week, Phil, uh, you reminded me when you mentioned BYU. Yeah, you did kind of call them a paper line when they were five and two. You saw this coming. Uh, but uh, the Miami-Florida State game in the top 25 action last week, you said, hey, pay attention to this game because it's a rivalry. There's some strange things going on. So when a lot of people expected a unilateral beatdown, Florida State handling Miami, not so fast. You were exactly right with that one as well. Uh, tight game there in Tallahassee, but you've got Oklahoma State after getting absolutely ambushed by Central Florida and Orlando, 45-3, to heading to Houston. Houston coming off a loss to Cincinnati. What do you see shaking out? This is a, a matchup between guys who used to be on staff together at Oklahoma State and Dana and Gundy. Interesting matchup here. Yeah, it is, and uh, 
You know, this one is actually, I talked about the, the Phil Steele Plus Tour. This one's going to be on there as my aberrational play. And, and what I mean by that is last week was just a complete aberration. Oklahoma State have been playing great football. If you look at my average game grades on the Phil Steele Plus, they have been playing at about 111, 112 level. And then last week they played at a 75 level. Take that, throw it in the trash. I think they'll be back to how they were playing. They've got Alan Bowman. You know, Ollie Gordon looked like he was banged up against Oklahoma. I talked to some folks at Oklahoma State. They said, no, he's not really banged up. But last week he struggled. UCF just stacked the line completely to stop him. He had 12 carries for 25 yards. I expect him to have a breakout game here against a Houston defense that just gave Cincinnati 204 yards rushing. So I look for the offense to be much better this week. And with Houston, uh, look how their offense has been doing the last four weeks. Only 302 yards per game. They've been struggling to run the ball. Donovan Smith. Uh, last week, uh, only threw for 102 yards three three weeks ago against Kansas State, only threw for 95. I think Oklahoma State's a better team. I'm throwing out last week as a complete uh, letdown spot, aberration, and snowball game. Uh, I think this week they, they showed much better. I like Oklahoma State uh, to win this one by more than a touchdown. UCF has played some really good football over here the last – three or four games, you really, they, they played Oklahoma tough. They played with West Virginia for a while. And then they've obviously won their last two against Cincinnati and just obviously last week against Oklahoma state. Do they get to three in a row here and get to bowl eligibility because they've got Texas tech here on the road, both teams fighting for that bowl spot. Who do you think gets it this weekend? Yeah. And Texas tech, I think benefited a little bit from Jason Bean getting knocked out of the game in the first quarter. Uh, Kansas having to go with the walk-on quarterback the rest of the game. And as it was, Kansas came back and tied it. But then Texas Tech got the game-winning field goal. Now, they are at home, where they're a much more dangerous team. They beat TCU. They beat Houston. And if you look at their record over the last couple years, or their last two years, I should say, under Joey McGuire, they play much better at home. So that's a good situation for Tech. They're catching UCF up a big win. But I actually think UCF might be the better team. John Rice Plumley's back. He missed a good portion of their their losses, but Plumlee looks dangerous again, uh, both running and throwing. Uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. You've got two pretty good offenses. Uh, and uh, even though Texas Tech got Baron Morton back last week, to me this is going to be a toss-up game, guys. I, I think Tech, Tech at home is tough to go against, but uh, I'm going to call this one a toss-up. Speaking of Kansas and that injury to Jason Bean, let's let's jump to Lawrence and let's discuss the Sunflower Showdown between two ranked teams with Kansas State coming to town to face the Jayhawks. As I understand it, Phil, Jason Bean got a lot of reps in practice on Wednesday. Uh, we'll see. It's probably going to be a game-time decision with him, but they're coming off that tough loss to Texas Tech. Uh, some people that might be scoreboard watching were thinking they were looking ahead, not understanding that Jason Bean was out of the game. What do you see playing out? Uh, this fascinating matchup in the Sunflower Showdown between the Jayhawks and the Wildcats. Yeah, and this is one, uh, you know, ever since Bill Snyder took over way back when, Kansas State has pretty much had the upper hand in this rivalry, winning uh, almost every single game every single year. It's been it's been remarkable how K-State has dominated it. And I'm just overly impressed with how Kansas State's playing. I mean, you look at their defense. Uh, they're playing solid. They're holding opponents to 57 yards per game below their season average. They've got the run game going with Giddens and Ward. And I love Will Howard and then the change of pace with Avery Johnson at QB. So they're a dangerous offense as well. Uh, now, they've been dominating at home, not as dominating at the road. But I like the way they played Texas on the road. 
Uh, last year, this game was a battle for a little bit, and then at the end, as always, Kansas State came out ahead, 47 to 27. And uh, I think this one's going to be uh, a Kansas State win once again. And the, the number's low down there, about eight, seven and a half for the game. So I, I like Kansas State to win by more than that. I do expect Bean to play, but uh, it's going to be a pretty tough Kansas State defense. I, I like the Wildcats in this one. Bill, Texas survived a big scare last week from TCU. Now they've got to survive the house of horrors as they go to Ames and Jack Trice, which has always been a tough place to play. And it seems like this is, it happens every year where some teams riding in with college football playoff hopes or Big 12 title hopes, and they go to Ames in late November and they fall apart. Do you see that happening this week with Texas? Yeah, and, you know, look at Texas the last two weeks. They got out to that big lead against Kansas State. At the end of the game, they're playing in overtime or, you know, just to pull the game out. And then the TCU game last week, 26-6 at the half. And all of a sudden at the end of the game, uh, they need a fourth down conversion uh, to uh, run out the clock and get past TCU. The big thing to me with Texas was losing Jonathan Brooks. I've been watching Jonathan Brooks this year and been super impressed. He's a guy with breakaway speed. He's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. Now, C.J. Baxter is going to take his place. But Baxter's only averaging 4.4 yards per carry. So uh, I think that's a big loss for Texas. Quinn Ewers came back last week, looked good, uh, threw for over 300 yards in the game. But this, as you mentioned, 100%, I agree with you. Iowa State's a tough place to play. I like the way Rocco Beck's playing. They've got the defense, holding opponents to 56 yards per game below their season average. A lot of folks thought that BYU would be a tough situation for them last week. They rolled through that easily. Uh, I, I really like this Iowa State team. I think they keep it closer than expected and could pull the upset. All right, Phil, let's head to Morgantown. Uh, legendary coach Don Nealon being memorialized at the game. Uh, you've got the Bearcats in town. His first win at Mountaineer Field in 1980 was against Cincinnati. His first coaching job was for Cincinnati. So a lot of synergy in this football game. But a Bearcats team that two of their three wins on the season have come on the road. Uh, West Virginia, to some extent, looking in the mirror. Cincinnati likes to try and play keep away. Cincinnati likes to play uh, with that run game and try and hold the clock. What do you see shaking out with uh, the three and seven Bearcats against the six and four Mountaineers in Morgantown? Yeah, and I think you hit it correctly on the head that Cincinnati is better than their record. I mean, if you look at them in uh, Big 12 play, they're plus 21 yards per game, which is highly unusual for a team that's only won one Big 12 game. But watching them this year, uh, you know, you look at Emory Jones. Uh, he's got a 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions on the year. But five of those touchdowns came against Eastern Kentucky in the opener. So against FBS foes, he actually has a 10-10 ratio, 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And it seems like they'll play really good in the first half, and then the second half they sort of go away. I, I like this West Virginia team. I think they have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Uh, it's it's too bad that uh, they just missed out on the Joe Moore Award for the top offensive line in the country, and they did just miss out. Uh, but, you know, they've got the run game, as you mentioned. Uh, the defense hasn't been playing great the last four weeks, but I, I think when you look at the defense overall, there's talent there, and uh, I really like the home field edge. I think West Virginia is the better team at home, and much like I've done a lot of times, uh, you know, a team off a loss, is a very dangerous team. I think that fits West Virginia this week. So as much as I liked Oklahoma last week off a loss, this week I like West Virginia off a loss. I, I like the Mountaineers to win this one by double digits. 
Phil, it's, it's really no surprise that some of these Big 12 newcomers are struggling in their transition to the conference. And we, we've obviously seen that firsthand here in Morgantown. But where do you think this Cincinnati program can be? I mean, because they've been very successful over the last two decades or so. Do you think that they can be a team that, that competes year in and year out here late in a few years down the road? I think they can get there. I mean, the fact that, first of all, they're located in Ohio, which is one of the prime recruiting spots in the country. And then second of all, uh, I am a uh, Scott Satterfield fan. I've been uh, talking to him since his days at App State, and uh, he did a tremendous job at App State building that team. And, uh, you know, look at the defensive line he built at Louisville last year. So I think he's going to be able to get this thing rolling in. Cincinnati, as mentioned, they're plus 21 yards per game in league play this year. Probably just haven't got the consistency they need out of the quarterback. He'll get that turned around. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward. I think the Big 12 will be as confusing as ever next year, just like it's uh, been the last couple of years. It's crazy. You can't predict anything in this conference. There's so much parity, and uh, maybe it's a good thing. So, and, and, and it'll probably be more so once Texas and OU depart for the SEC next year to open up the door for two new schools to kind of make that next leap. So, Phil, we appreciate your time, and uh, we'll co- we'll. I'll circle back with you next week for the final uh, game of the regular season was West Virginia will take on Baylor. It's hard to believe it's already here. Yeah, it seems like the season just started. Huh? Now it's uh, it's almost over, almost to the conference championship games. But I tell you what, it's been a fun year, hasn't it? Yeah, it definitely has, especially with West Virginia back to their winning ways a little bit. And they got an eight-win season, still within reach, maybe even a nine when you get to the bowl game. So we'll see. Uh, how it all plays out, but that's Phil Steele. Again, you can get his stuff at Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. He's with us here each and every single Friday here in the gun. And when we return, we will make our picks for West Virginia and Cincinnati, our handicap picks. But first, this word from Fortis for root performance and financial certainty guarantee. Make sure to visit fortis.us.com. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. All right. All, as always, fun talking with Phil, getting his thoughts on everything college football and especially those Mountaineers. Uh, Want to send a huge thank you to Phil just for continuing to, to come on the show each and every single week. We truly appreciate it. And I know our fans do as well. So, Jed. Let's go ahead and get into our picks for this week's game against those Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, new face in the Big 12, but technically to West Virginia fans, a familiar face. And uh, they've owned this series 16-3-1. to 
Um, it's going to take about a decade and a half, maybe two decades, if you do the math, if Cincinnati really wants to catch up in this series because they're playing, it seems like, on a three out of every four-year basis. But let's go ahead and dive into uh, some of these these actual picks for this game and see what we think. Yeah, when, when you consider Cincinnati and the history, uh, pick six previews did an interesting little piece uh, in their preview magazine this summer talking about the 117 seasons Cincinnati has played football. And they kind of broke it down from 1888 up to 2004. Uh, and what Cincinnati had done from uh, being ranked in the AP polls from their bowls. And then they looked at the, the seasons since 2005. And they really amped things up from a production standpoint for that program with, with that run they had with Mark D'Antonio, Brian Kelly, of course, more recently, Luke Fickle. But in the 17 seasons, this is before we get into our picks, I just thought this was interesting from pick six previews. In the 17 seasons uh, that we're talking about from 05 to 22, they played in 14 bowl games, spent 92 weeks ranked, completed three undefeated regular seasons, and broke the barriers of the first non-automatic qualifier program into the 14 playoffs. So, the last 17 seasons have really changed the entire dynamic of that Cincinnati football program at large. But let's get into this week's handicap picks with Cincinnati. Cincinnati running the football. We talked about it in our preview, what makes them so dangerous when they do run the football. Athletic quarterback. Uh, they, they've got a physical run game with their, their tailback, their feature back. Uh, so Emory Jones, it starts there. He's going to pitch in. Will Brady Lichtenberg play? I mean, he's played in three straight games. The other quarterback, they also like to run him. But either way, Cincinnati, number two in the Big 12 in rushing offense at 223 a game. They've kind of consistently crept their way up the rankings to now be parked at number two in the entire conference. Now, here's what's interesting. On the road, in road games only, they're number one in the Big 12. Yeah. at 235 yards a game. So in their four road games, they've run for 216, 242, 277, and 204. So West Virginia versus the Big 12 at home, we've given up 160, of course, 281 to Oklahoma State, 67 more recently to BYU. The question, quite simply, will Cincinnati rush for at least 180 yards against West Virginia? So again, four games, their lowest output on the road has been 204. Even in the loss of Oklahoma State, they ran for 277. Will yeah. they run for at least 180? I'm going to go ahead and say yes, Skyler. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying right, yes, they will. I'm right there with you. I think this is going to be a, a game where it's low scoring. And to me, it kind of has that Texas Tech slash TCU type of a feel to it. Low game in the low 20s. Both teams want to run the ball, play good defense, play clock control. So, yeah, I think they I think they get over that mark. And and I think, as you mentioned in the preview, you know, if Emory Jones is dropping back 30 or 40 times and that's that's not a good situation for Cincinnati. That's not what they want to do. It's not where they want to be. And and if he is, then that means West Virginia is probably up by a couple of scores. So, yeah, I think they, they want to make sure that they hang in this game as long as they possibly can. All right. So we both agree. Yes, they will. Um, now let's go to number two. And it kind of ties into the run game. It's a time of possession question Ooh. from a time of possession standpoint. The top two time of possessions in the league in the Big 12 are West Virginia at number one and Cincinnati at number two. Cincinnati actually is number two in all of power five in time of possession on the road, trailing only NC State in road games. 
They averaged 34 minutes and 18 seconds of possession on the road. WVU is number two in the country in time of possession overall. Quite simply, which team will win the battle of time of possession? I'm going to go West Virginia. Um, I think they, they, they find more success offensively this week. They have more success on third down. And because of that, they're going to be able to win this battle. And, and I think the defense too, this is, this plays a big part in it as well. I think they're, they're eager to get back out there and, and kind of put that game to, to bed against Oklahoma. So they're going to get off the field more. And I, I would even go as far as saying they may get a couple of turnovers in this one, which will also play into that time of possession. I agreed again. I'm going with West Virginia to win the time of possession. Not only have we consistently done so, even when we're losing the football game, uh, we we won the time of possession battle. But what's interesting to me is now we have all of the tempo teams behind us. Yeah. And those tempo teams have helped elevate that time of possession stat. We played three or four teams that don't care if you win time of possession. So that's going to help drive that number up and maybe even inflate it a little bit. But that being said, I think playing at home gives West Virginia just enough of an edge against a team that's going to plot, try and play the same style of football. This is a team that does care if you win time of possession, but I think West Virginia will find a way to edge out the Bearcats from a time of possession standpoint. And finally, number three, this is where the plot thickens. West Virginia's rush yards. We dive deep on this one. The last time these two teams met, I was there at Paul Brown Stadium in 2011. It was a battle of two teams that would ultimately finish 10-3. and three. Bush Jones Bearcats went on to go 10-3. and WV won that game 24-21, to 21, and it started a stretch run of three straight wins at the end of the regular season that helped us win the Big East and secure that spot into the BCS and get to the Orange Bowl where we dropped 70 on Clemson. In that game in 2011 at Paul Brown Stadium, both teams, strangely enough, totaled exactly 404 yards of offense. Wow. But they got there very different ways. Zach Calaro, Cincinnati's starting quarterback, was hurt when he was sacked by Bruce in the first half. Munchie Legault comes off the bench. Munchie's making plays in the pass game. Munchie's making plays with his legs. So Cincinnati uh, was, was helped by their backup quarterback. I mean, he had a 65-yard touchdown run in that game. West Virginia, meanwhile, was one-dimensional. Gino threw all over him, but we could not get a run game going with Andrew Bowie, with Dustin Garrison. West Virginia rushed for a total in that win. Remember, we had to block the block Ian Smith field goal yep. at the end to secure the win. West Virginia rushed for 32 yards in that game at Paul Brown Stadium. So the question is, will West Virginia rush for more than 32 yards against Cincinnati on Saturday? in the first quarter. Oh, I, I was going to say, this is a slam dunk if it's for the game. <laughs> huh? yeah. In the first in quarter. In the first quarter. I'm I'm going to go no. And and I think the only reason, or the two reasons are because Cincinnati's defensive front is really good. Dante Corleone is, is stout, uh, but he's not the only one up there. And number two, I think they're going to get Garrett Green involved in this game with his legs because – um, well, I guess that'd be as a team, but I think that's going to mature as the game goes on. But I just think Cincinnati's front with the combination of we don't know really what C.J. Donaldson is going to give you 
I'm going to go under. I, I think they find success on the ground much more than they did that year, but not in the first quarter. I'm going to go yes. And, and honestly, I think it comes down to this. Uh, Cincinnati opened the game at Houston uh, with a nice scripted drive. They, they looked efficient. Uh, they moved the fall, ball methodically down the field, eight some clock, scored to go up seven. Nothing. West Virginia has opened games, including at Oklahoma last week, uh, looking pretty slick as well, pretty well oiled early in the game as well. So, quite frankly, Skyler, this could come down to who gets the ball first yeah. because it's a first quarter question. That's what's interesting about it. So, it's almost like however that coin toss goes, so goes this 32 yard question. So, I'm going to say, Cincinnati wins the toss. Cincinnati defers. West Virginia gets the ball. West Virginia does rush for more than 32 yards in the first quarter. It could simply be whoever gets the ball first dictates the outcome of that question. 32 yards yeah. over under, I'm going to say over for West Virginia in the run game, and in part because, yeah, Garrett will be a part of it. Uh, but, yeah, let's see how this one goes. It's, I wanted to dig deep. I wanted to tie that 2011 game in. Uh, so here we go. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Interesting game. And again, I've said all week, this is a much better team than the three wins that they've had all year. On paper, they are much better. Uh, defensive front, like we've Two and two about. on the road, Scott. Yeah, I mean, they're... And it's not skewed by their schedule. When no, you look at who no. they played at home, who they played on the road, no. It's not a function of that. I mean, it's it's truly... I, I said this in the preview episode. I think what, what happens is Scott Satterfield's a very... Uh, high football IQ football coach, and and he leans into the notion that the two things the two things that traditionally travel well are good defense and a solid run game, and on the road they really try and stress those two things, maybe even a little more than at home, and uh, it, it's it's helped them as much as it hasn't. So uh, they're a two and two football team on the road. Uh, I mean, there's a reason that uh, you know against the three and seven team you're you're favored by you know what a little less than a touchdown. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's there's things that are deficient with Cincinnati, but there's also things to concern yourself with Cincinnati. And and going back to the time of possession piece, Skylar, this is where it impacts and other things that are downstream from that. When you look at, for instance, the time of possession piece for Cincinnati, here's one way that that has helped them. Uh, Cincinnati defensively, uh, when you look at yards per play allowed. Uh, they're 12th in the Big 12. They're allowing 5.97 yards per play. That's 12th in the league. But overall, defensively, they're fourth in the league. Yeah. Even though yards per play, they're 12th. Why is that? In 10 games, they've only been forced to defend because they're playing keep away with that time of possession. 609 snaps. By far the fewest in the big 12. So they're, they're defending 61 snaps a game. Uh, the second fewest is Baylor at 64. We're going to see the same style next week when we face the bears. But, but uh, so if you can get Cincinnati on the field, they do have a tendency uh, at when they're not at their best to miss some tackles. So if you can get them on the field and run that snap count up a little deeper than what they're used to and get into their depth a little bit, that's the thing that teams in transition with new coaching staffs typically are afflicted with is depth. Yeah. So if you can get into that, which a lot of teams haven't, uh, when Cincinnati struggled, they faced a few more snaps. I mean, that, that's that's kind of the nature of it. When If you want to take a look at, for instance, 
the snap counts that teams have run up on them. Oklahoma managed 72 snaps. Of course, Oklahoma controlled the flow of that football game. Oklahoma State, 71 snaps. Oklahoma State blew them out. So, yeah, that matters. So, Cincinnati is desperately going to try and hold the football, hold that defensive snap count down. So, West Virginia, in turn, has to try and prevent that from happening. Yeah, they've had three one-score games to Big 12. And interestingly enough, I think it's like four of the last six games they've actually outgained their opponent, which is crazy to, to think for a three-win team. Um, but, I mean, w when I look at the Cincinnati team offensively, it's almost like I get the Spider-Man meme image popping up in my head with West Virginia and Cincinnati just looking at each other like, I'm doing what you want to do. I'm going to do what you want to do because they, they have the same approach, and that's what they want to do. So, in, in, in reality, this might be like a two-hour game because both teams are just going to want to run the ball like crazy. But we'll see how it all pans out this weekend in Morgantown. Obviously, uh, senior day, Don Nealon being immortalized. It's going to be a fun weekend in Morgantown, the last home game. So if you got a chance or, or if you're considering about going to the game, just go ahead and go. It, it's the last one until next September, and uh, it, it, it's it's going to be a fun one. So West Virginia, Cincinnati, 2.30, streaming on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you haven't already at In The Gun Podcast, and you can follow us on X at the same handle. And as always, be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. You've been In The Gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.